Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. All right, today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have PJ Jonas. PJ, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Now, PJ, you have such a fun story, and I know there's been some ups and downs. Everybody just buckle in because you're going to love this conversation today. But before we get started, for people that might not be familiar with you, PJ, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your background and what's happened and what's brought you you know, to today. Well, the, the fact that most people usually find the most interesting is that I have eight children. And that's what most people usually shake their heads at when I say that. But I do. They're all close together in age. They're um, Right now, they go from 9 to 19. So it was eight kids in 10 years. And they're all just one at a time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you, you must have some unbelievable parenting and time management skills. You know, I, I like to think that I do. I think that God <laughs> has gifted me in that way. And I've definitely had to learn to even develop them even stronger in this adventure. No kidding. Okay, so eight children, ten years. Tell, tell us about before. You know what? Ha- what? What was your life like before kids? Well, my husband and I went to the University of Virginia. That's where we met. Um, he was a year ahead of me, but um, we met my first weekend it, at college. So that, that was neat. Yeah, yeah, it worked out really well. God definitely had that um, in mind. Uh, we were not saved at the time, and um, we we did that. He graduated with a degree with his master's in education. I graduated with a degree in engineering, and we lived in Virginia for um, a few years after graduation. My daughter was born there, and the minute, well, I kind of knew it going into <laughs> when she was born, but but when she was born and I went back to work, I knew that that was not for me. I had no desire to be at work, to leave her with a sitter. And so within a couple of months, we had um, both quit our jobs, sold everything and moved back to New Jersey, which is where I was from, to be closer to family and to find a job and a way to support ourselves where I could be a stay at home mom. So that was um, a really big challenge because we went into that um, about $75,000 in debt. And, you know, with an engineer, I mean, I made more than my husband did. And it was a really you know, hard blow to, to give up that salary, especially moving to a more expensive area like New Jersey. And I had people telling me, you know, I was crazy, that I was wasting my education, that I was, it was just a foolish decision. I needed to get a job, but I really didn't want to. And it was during that time when um, I was actually pregnant with my second that both my husband and I got saved listening to the radio. And no so, kidding. Yeah. Who are you listening yeah. to? Um, you know, it was, I had it on round the clock. So Dr. Dobson and um, John MacArthur and Charles Stanley and just all of those family life, you know, just round. Elizabeth Elliot was one of my favorites. Um, so it was just pretty much always playing in the background. And that, um, and I don't know if you remember Larry Burkett. Larry Burkett was yeah. on at that point. And that was when we figured out that we needed to deal with this debt. So, I started tutoring because I had a math background. So I started tutoring and we put every penny we had towards paying off that debt. And by God's grace, we had it paid off in three years time. And I still, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you how we did it because I still don't think the numbers um, added up, (laughs) but (laughs) God, God did that. And um, after that, we moved out to Indiana and we did that because it was really just too expensive for us in, in New Jersey, living on a teacher's salary and trying to raise a large family. So we came out here to Indiana, and that was the beginning of 
how we got to where we are now. Um, I wanted my I wanted to raise my family in a healthy way, and I wanted raw milk for them. Uh, raw milk is fairly controversial, and you can't buy it in Indiana. It's actually illegal to purchase for human consumption. So I decided I was going to get my own goats, and so I got goats. Um, at this point, I had six children. I was pregnant with number seven, and I had them all in the the bathtub one day, just letting them splash around. And I picked up the baby wash that I had always used and for whatever reason, read the ingredient list. And I was appalled that there was all these ingredients in this baby wash that I did not want to use on their skin. It was, you know, petroleum-based chemicals and other chemicals I couldn't pronounce. And I was like, that's it. Forget this. I am going to learn to make my own soap. So I, I had no clue how to make soap, but I was going to figure it out. And so I just started doing some research. And when you make soap, you need to put water um, in it. And instead of putting the water in, I decided I had all this goat milk and I knew goat milk was not just good to drink, but you know, I figured it'd be good for your skin as well. So I decided to put the goat milk into the soap. And when I made the soap and put it in the shower, my husband's fingers stopped cracking and splitting. Hmm. And that was kind of my aha moment. Like, wow, <laughs> you know, this is really good stuff. But I was still having babies. I still had two more. And, um, and that was when God kind of had to, um, whack us over the head because I had been praying this whole time for a family business. You know, my husband was working. I was raising all of these kids. We have five boys. I wanted, I wanted my husband to spend more time with him than he was able to. So I started praying for a family business. And about two years after I started praying, um, we went down to visit my parents. They, uh, they work at Disney world. So that was their Christmas present to us was a trip to Disney world. And um, we got gas in our vehicle. And when we got out of Epcot, the vehicle was dead. And it turns out that there was, we have a, a diesel vehicle and there was gasoline in the diesel pump. Oh, so. I've done that before when we were, we did a cross country trip with our whole family before my son went off to college to the East Coast and back from Colorado. And I did that in New York State and we got stuck in New York State for three days. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was this was a little bit more. <laughs> this this was about six months of them fixing one thing and then the next thing breaking oh, and fixing another thing. And because it had happened in Florida, um, there was no recourse. Even though we had the proof that it was, you know, there was gas in the diesel pump, there was no recourse. We were stuck with this bill. And it um, turned out that by the time everything was said and done, it was about nine thousand dollar bill. And for a single family, you know, a single income family, you know, with with 10 of us, that was a little bit more than we could just easily absorb. Mm. <laughs> and we did not have that much in savings. So what happened was I, I had bought enough ingredients for our family to make soap for about a year. And I thought, oh, well, I, you know, I got all this, I got all these soap ingredients. I'll just try and make some extra batches and sell some and see if I can, I can raise some money for groceries or whatnot. And that was what God used to launch our business. Um, I decided to name it Goat Milk Stuff because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make stuff with goat milk and I wanted to sell it. And it was just a nice, simple, easy, descriptive um, kind of name for the business. And I started selling the soap. And what ended up happening was we would give out free samples everywhere. I mean, it didn't matter if we were at the grocery store. It didn't matter if we were at the gas pump. You know, we were always giving out free samples. And the calls started coming in from people who loved the samples. Uh, I started getting in um, with parents whose their kids had eczema and they were willing to try anything. And when they tried the soap, found that it helped their children's eczema symptoms and oftentimes made them go away. And so that was how we got our start. Um, and that, that's the beginning of goat milk stuff. Well, I, you know, I'd love to rewind back, you know, when 
when you and your husband were thinking of moving to Indiana, because this is this is a huge decision, and it sounds like you know these seeds, this clarity that kind of led you led you to starting this business were there. How would you help people that are almost looking at some of these big decisions that they need to make? Maybe and, and it's hard in the moment sometimes to realize that that's laying the foundation for something even better that's coming next. Yeah, you know, it's not easy. Again, many times in my life, people tell me I'm crazy. And that's kind of one of my uh, ways that I know I think I'm on God's track. Because <laughs> if it makes sense to other people, then it it may not be what God is wanting is calling me to do. But people thought we were nuts. We'd never been to Indiana. We didn't have a job. We didn't have a house. I was six months pregnant with um, child number six. Mm-hmm. And we just felt that that was where God wanted us to go. Um We'd never even been here before, but we managed, you know, everything just kind of clicked. Like we had thought about going back to Virginia and nothing was working out. Mm. Everything was clicking in Indiana. So you have to have the comfort and confidence that God is on your side. (laughs) You know, God wants what's best for you. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You know, that doesn't mean, you know, because I hear a lot of people say that, oh, if the path is hard, it must not be where God wants you. And I have found in my life, it's the exact opposite. When it's the bumpiest, I know I'm exactly where God wants me to be because that's what he's using to grow me more like Jesus. Oh, that's a great point, PJ. Yeah. So you, you can't look at that, you know, you can't look for the open windows. You just have to have that confidence that, okay, if if I am, you know, if I'm in the word, if I'm praying, if I'm, you know, fellowshipping, not that I'm perfect because I'm not, I'm a sinner, but if I'm doing all of those things, then I'm going to move in the way I feel I should go because mm-hmm. that's the Holy Spirit saying, yep, you know, go ahead. There's, because that's, you know, sometimes God uses other people, but I have found that a lot of times <laughs> it's what that quiet whisper when I'm like, you know, I just really want to do this. I can't let this go. This is what I think we need to do. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's not easy, but it's, it's often worth it. Or he uses a bad tank of gas. You probably, when you were in the middle of that frustrating, uh, and then you get that bill, you probably had no idea what that, that was going to lead to, but it was all part of a plan. Yeah. You don't know that kind of stuff till hindsight, you know, but I can tell you that, now, when things go wrong, I am much less likely, not that I don't do it occasionally, but I'm much less likely to, to you know, get really upset. I'm like, okay, God, what is this all about? And where are we going with this one? You know, what are you trying to turn me towards? Um, and, I, and I pay more attention <laughs> when things go bad now. I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to be learning something from this. What is it I'm supposed to be learning? Well, you know, that's a really mature way to look at things. You know, when, when I'm working with clients or, or talking with people, uh, I describe it, those events, those kind of those dips, those low points as process events. You know, there's something you have to go through, like you talked about. Um, you know, God wants what is best for us. And sometimes it's a real challenge because we have to develop, you know, change our mindsets or how we think or develop skills that we're going to use that's going to bring us to our life, our our joy to a whole different level. But what you're talking about is actually looking at it instead of being a victim or, you know, circumstances are getting in your way of doing something better, seeing this as something that's going to bring you somewhere, there's a point to it. Yeah. You know, we have to have a certain skill set before God is going to bring us a ton of success. 
because for so many people who become successful before they're ready, before they have those character skills, before mm-hmm. they have all that in place, it just falls apart. And, and, you know, success has ruined a lot of lives. And so God wants you ready um, before he's going to trust you with something being successful. So what do you think some of the character skills that were developed in you and your husband through this whole process that really led to you, you know, having that great foundation to, to launch goat milk stuff? I think patience is, is a, <laughs> a very thing that's needed when you're um, starting a business. You know, so many people want it to be an instant overnight success. And if it is an instant overnight success, often you can't keep up with that. So I think patience. Um, and I think a, an understanding of what's really important. Mm. You know, in our culture, m- so many people think of money as important think of success as being the ultimate validation that you you know you're doing what's right and that's not necessarily the case you know there, there's a lot of of good godly people that are never going to be wealthy um, that are never going to have that that earthly marks of success um, but they're exactly where God wants them to be so you need to keep things in perspective and and that comes with having trials and and going through things that aren't easy so as you brought all this in and you now you created this batch of soap, you're like, I got to pay this bill. What happened next? Well, it was really a matter of trying to keep everything going. Okay. So we had the farm. I, um, I homeschooled the children. I didn't mention that. So they're home all day working with it. Um, I learned, I taught myself how to code so I could put up a website. It was before there were a lot of the, the really easy ones to put up. Um, So I I coded and put up my own website and it was a matter of figuring out how to run a business. You know, how do you set yourself up? How do I deal with an accountant? How do I find a lawyer? You know, I wasn't hanging out with the kind of business people that that could recommend a good business lawyer. Um, Those were a lot of the challenges in the in the beginning. And then as far as once we started, once we started selling, it was figuring out how to treat my customers the way I wanted to be treated. You know, what was it that was important to me? Well, okay, how do I build that into goat milk stuff? How do I build that into the systems? How do I get the children to respond the proper way? You know, we would have people just show up at our, our door. And they no would, kidding. Yeah, and they would ring the doorbell. And, you know, and, and I mean, I had eight little kids. It's not always quiet and peaceful and happy at my house when they were really little. Um, so, you know, had to, had to greet customers with a smile, even if you were just in the middle of fighting with your brother or whatnot. So there were a lot of, of little things that we needed to get in a row, you know, get figured out at the beginning. Um, and it was, it was nice cause it was growing fast enough that we were, you know, getting new customers all the time, but not so fast that we were getting completely overwhelmed. And, you know, at what point did you start to almost kind of get a vision for what, what this could become? You know, I don't, I don't think I did for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I was so wrapped up in the day to day. It was, it got to the point where, um, the children and I, we couldn't keep up with it anymore. And you know, I tell people that we had, we would have, we would just eat dinner on the floor because my kitchen table was just covered in soap that we had, were either cutting or packaging or whatnot. And so we, I would just throw a, a sheet down on the floor and we'd eat down there. But when, it got to that point. We had to decide whether we were going to bring my husband on full time or we were going to scale the business back. Mm. And 
you know, there was a lot of prayer in that. We had a big family meeting um, and we all felt that we were doing exactly what God wanted us, that God was going to bless it and he was going to take care of it. And even though the goat milk stuff was not making enough money to cover my husband's salary at that time, we really thought God was going to see us through. So (laughs) I can still remember sitting at the table with all the children. Um, We all voted. We all voted that we weren't going to have any ice cream or cheese or anything (laughs) to, to really had to cut back on the, um, on what we were spending to, to bring my husband on full time. And so probably during that was when we started to get the bigger picture. Hmm. And, and so what you made that decision, what, what were some of the biggest challenges in going through that? Cause there's probably a lot of people I think right now, uh, that are listening in our audience that are look, you know, they have a company, they're really trying to figure out whether to almost pivot or scale, if you know what I mean. I do. Yeah. I, it's hard. It's not an easy that you can list these three things and say, okay, if you're at these three things, um, it's time for you to leave your full-time job and, you know, and do this full-time. Yeah. You know, I really think it is just, um, it's just being in God's word and having that relationship with him where, you know, and you have the, you know, the settled confidence that that's what he wants you to do and that's the right timing. And it's not that you're not going to be scared because I was terrified. You know, we had eight children and we were leaving, giving up a full-time paycheck. That was probably the scariest point in time of all of it. I was like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> but we knew how to live cheaply. You know, we we didn't have a lot of material needs as a family um, and we were all willing to work hard and we were willing to sacrifice. And we just really felt God wanted, you know, was ready to bless that and... uh and so we went for it. Wow. So you went for it. So uh, what's your husband's name? His name is Jim. So Jim comes home. Now you're sitting there looking at each other saying, all right, honey. So what, what, what was next? Well, we decided that, you know, the, the big goal is to get people to your website, right? You put up a website and it's great and it's all ready and it looks beautiful and, and everybody's ready to, to sell, but it doesn't do any good unless you can get people to visit it. Um, there are different ways to do that. You know, you can, you can do paid advertising, you can, you can do lots of different things. We decided that we were going to go with the craft fairs and festivals. Okay. So we, that first year, uh, we signed up for 30 festivals. Wow. Um, and like I said, we would go, we would sell, but we would even more importantly, we would get as many email um, as we could and we would give people information for them to go back to the website. You know, fortunately we have a product that um, people need to reorder. You know, they fall in love with the soap, they need to get more of it. So um, that was, that was a really good way for us to do that. And then it was a lot of learning at these craft festivals. You know, it was a lot of talking to people. What do they like? You know, watching them. They would pick up one soap smell and go, oh, that smells so good. But then they would buy another one. Um, you know, what was behind that? What's, you know, the names? We would change some of the names. So we did a lot of, of product research and a lot of customer research at these craft fairs. You know, what kind of person stops? What kind of person doesn't? Um, and then one of my favorite things was the children... Uh, we, we discovered we're natural salesmen. And so they just fit into that, uh, that model of being at the craft fairs and talking to people beautifully. And so we were able to help them a little bit, you know, refine their sales pitch and, you know, <laughs> not ask people just, not just say hello, just ask people, you know, would you like a soap sample? Um, because get people to engage rather than just, you know, waving and they walk by. So that was, we, that was invaluable, getting all of that information face-to-face from, from our customers at the beginning. 
What an experience for your kids. Uh, how, what, what has it been like involving the whole family in this whole enterprise? It has been absolutely wonderful. Now, it hasn't been easy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do because there are times when, um, you know, they're tired or they're cranky or, or whatnot, and, and you have customers in front of you and you can't let that show. Um, <laughs> but I wanted their homeschool education to be practical. I didn't want them to just graduate with all of this this head knowledge that they didn't they couldn't put to use. And this is the most practical education that I can imagine. You know, I tell people everybody should learn how to sell because you always no matter what you do, you have to sell something even if it's just selling yourself for an interview. And so giving them that face-to-face experience where they had to pitch their product to someone and learn how to handle rejection because you get rejected a lot and people are mean to children. <laughs> you know, I mean, people are mean to adults, but they're mean to children too. And to teach the children that it's not personal. They're, they're not rejecting you. They're just, you know, they may be having a bad day or whatnot. And, and to help them to learn how to overcome um, those challenges has been a, a huge part of their education. But, you know, being able able to work with my family, you know, all day, every day is, is just, I I can't ask God for anything more than that. It's, you know, not that it's, it's utopia, not that we don't fight occasionally or, or misbehave at times, but, um, it's just, it's really been an answer to that prayer. Yeah. You know what, PJ, that was my dream starting what we've done now. My wife has come home full time. You know, I had, after that accident I had, she, we made that same decision 16 years ago for Donna to come home. She was making more than me at the time. So I can completely relate to what you were talking about. It was a hard decision to make, but, but I wouldn't do it over for the world. And then Donna went back to work after my accident. And now she just, uh, as of a couple months ago has joined me. Our kids are involved. And that was one of my biggest goals starting what I'm doing now. I want it to be something that we can be all working on together, create those experiences, see the impact in people's lives. And it, man, I got to tell you, it's just a play. I wake up in the morning just excited about what I get to do every day. Well, it is, you know, it's, and I tell people it was not an easy transition you know, for my husband to come home full time and be surrounded by eight children all day, every day was, was a pretty difficult transition for him. You know, he would, he would try and, he would try and parent them, you know, every little thing. And I would just look at him and be like, just, just pretend you didn't see that. You just have to ignore that because you can't parent everything all the time, every day. Cause he would do that on the weekends, but I'm like, just let it go. Just, you know, don't look. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that took him a little bit of while to pick his, you know, to learn to pick his battle. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to parent this, but I'm just going to, you know, kind of let that one go. And, um, you know, the other thing that I always, I always tell people is from a, a, a tax point of view, there's nothing better than having, uh, having a family business and having your children work in the business. Um, it's a huge tax savings. Um, you know, you're able to pay them. So, you know, you're able to pay your children and then they're able to, well, let's say my, my kids run cross country. So if they have cross-country fees, they pay that out of their salary, out of their money that they've earned. And so I'm getting the tax deduction because I'm paying them, and then they have the money to, to, to do what they want. So that's a, that, you, know, you can't really undermine that, too, because that really adds up over time. No, that is a great point. Um, that, you know, that's something you can really take advantage in a family business. Now, now, how long ago did you guys go full-time in goat milk? So we milk stuff. Sorry. Yep. Yep. We sold our first bars of soap in 2008. Okay. And my husband was on full time by 2009. 
And um, in 2012, we outgrew our farm that we started on. We just had a small three-acre farm, um, more like a homestead, and we outgrew that. And that started the process of searching for a new farm, um, which was not super easy. We ended up getting um, this place that we're here now. We've got 36 acres, um, the absolute perfect spot for us. We actually back up to Highway 65, which is the major north-south route through the, the Midwest. Um, we're less than a mile off the exit. So we have billboards on the highway and people stop off and uh, and visit us. But that was, and so that happened in 2012. The soap room was here. And then we actually just finished our last building about three months ago. So it's been a, a long construction project. Well, let's see. Over the last eight years, what what are some of the biggest things that you've learned that you'd share to other entrepreneurs that are looking at building something like you've built? The, the biggest challenge that we've had, the biggest struggle that we've had has been employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's been we've had some real nightmare situations with that um that totally you know caught me by surprise um things that you know you just you never really realized that people would do and actions that people would take um and so i i I tell people that as the longer you can stay where it's just you and your family operating the business before moving into that first employee do it because as soon as you hire an employee, things get so much more complex. You have so many more insurance needs, so many more payroll needs, so many more, um, you know, just the government regulation, you know, all the things you're supposed to have posted, all those things that are always changing that you have to keep up with. And there's that point where you start hiring people that your profitability goes way down because you've got all of, you know, all of these things. And you're, it doesn't matter how great you are at hiring people and hiring the right people. They're never going to love your business and they're never going to love your customers the way you do. Mm. So I, I really, in, you know, in hindsight, in hindsight, I really jumped the gun on hiring people. Um, I really could have put that off. I really could have done a little more studying and a little more learning um, about it. And um, that's that's been one of the biggest things that you know, that has probably slowed our growth. You know, I could hire, you know, I could put three people to work right now. I just can't find anybody that I'm willing to hire. Yeah, I know that feeling. Now, you've also done a fabulous job with marketing, growing, scaling what you're doing. What are what are some things that you're doing now that you wish you would have known, you know, three, four, five years ago? You know, I have to tell you that, when I first started, and I, I didn't believe this for the first couple of years, but when I first started goat milk stuff, I was told, um, don't try to grow too quickly. You know, um, that, that com- many companies have gone out of business by growing too fast, but very few have gone out, gone out of business by growing too slowly. And I didn't really realize the truth of that because every time you make a huge leap, um, you it's great. It's wonderful. It's great to see all the sales coming in. It's great to have all those new customers, but you also end up creating new problems that you then have to deal with. And if that growth is too fast, then your quality control and your systems can't always keep up with it. Um, so that was something that, you know, I, I kind of wish our, our growth had been a little slower, a little more steady instead of these big leaps that we took. Um, and so that's something going forward as we design our, our marketing and, and our different ways of doing things, we're, we're a little more conscious of, 
Um, one thing I didn't mention was about a year and a half ago, we moved into food products. So now we don't just have the goat milk soap, but we have goat cheese and we have goat milk fudge and goat milk caramel. Um, we have gelato, which is like an ice cream. And moving into food was a whole entirely different business. You know, it was like learning to start a business all over again. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, with the, with the soap, I can, I can make it ahead of time. I can put it in inventory and it'll last six months. Um, it can't really do that so much with food. And if you have a big, huge publicity event or, or something, you know, really big happens, it's, it's, you know, when you run out of stuff, people don't like it when you run out of stuff. That's not something that you want to do. You're like, Oh great. We've sold all that. People are like, Oh, they don't have anything. I'm not, I'm not ever buying from them again. Mm. Uh, so it's something that slow and steady is always, always preferable. Slow and steady. And, you know, you know, the last, you know, five, five, six years, as, as you look five, six years ahead, what are you doing today, you and Jim, personally, to, you know, kind of, you talked about before, right? You know, developing skills and and enhancing your character as you've gone through the experiences to get ready for, you know, what was happening then. Uh, how are you thinking about the next couple of years? I, a year ago, I told the children that they had 10 years, that in 10 years I was going to be out of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when my youngest turns, she's born on the 4th of July. So they have until the 4th of July when she turns 18 uh, to learn how to take over the business. So we're really training the older children, some of the back end stuff that that Jim and I have always done, you know, the the payroll. My my eighteen year old is learning payroll, and we're letting them make management decisions. You know, we're not jumping in. We had somebody uh, come to the the farm store today and um, want to speak to me, and he was a, a pastor from I think they said I think they said Ethiopia, and I was like, no, you guys talk to him. You you know, if this is something you want to work with, um, you, you know, <laughs> you speak with him. So we're really trying to get the, those skills that we have learned into the children so that they can take it forward, um, you know, in the next thing and that they can succeed because passing a family business on to the next generation is always difficult. You know, yes. people, you like to think that that's a nice, easy transition, but it's not. A lot of families fall apart during that transition process. So we're really working with our lawyer to try and set everything up so that you know, it works and it works smoothly and they're still <laughs> friends and, and siblings when, you know, when that process takes, takes place. You know, what, what have you guys done? This is fascinating because it's a great study also in, in just leadership and teaching leadership to your, your kids that a lot of people can learn from. You know, as you transfer that authority and that responsibility to them, what are you doing to make sure uh, that it's in alignment with I guess, you know, your values, your principles, maybe how you would do it, even though they're probably doing it differently, but, you know, focusing on the outcomes that you want to get to. Yeah. So we have a saying around here in our family, um, and that is that everything is a God issue, including making and selling soap. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, yeah, that's something that we have taught them from the very beginning. I mean, even before we had a business, we always just would say, you know, everything is a God issue. It doesn't matter if you're tying your shoes. (laughs) It's, you know, that's a God issue too. Um, And so because they've grown up with that framework and they've grown up knowing that uh, it doesn't matter how much the customer might frustrate you, your job is to, you know, make them happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, 
it, it's not that big of a challenge. I imagine if I was bringing, you know, teenagers in that had never learned that, it would be a lot harder um, because you'd have to really lay it out for them and, and you know, probably prioritize it a little bit more. Um, but this is something that, you know, they're learning. My, my daughter does the, the farm tours and she's 19 and, you know, and she'll, she'll get some, some uh, we'll just say some characters, some not <laughs> very nice people who like to just complain and whatnot. And she has to do that with a smile and she has to do it, um, you know, cheerfully. And knowing that people are watching because my kids know this, you know, children, the, the children are being watched in everything they do and everything they do reflects on Jesus. Mm. And that's, you know, a lot of people I've gotten some, uh, people have, have criticized me about that because my children are, are under a lot of scrutiny. And, and my response to that is, well, we all are, you know, we all are, you know, Jesus is right here watching everything we do. Why, you know, why should it matter if other people are seeing that also? Um, that's something that they have to learn their behavior matters and is being watched. And, and it's not necessarily a bad thing to learn how to uh, have self-control and how to handle yourself when things aren't going the way you want them to. Well, that, that's a powerful point. You know, you must have a lot of just confidence and security in not only what you're doing, but why you're doing it to have that perspective. You know, it's something that um, I've always, well, if you're familiar with the seven habit, habits of highly effective people, yeah, uh, yeah. the only one I remember is begin with the end in mind. Right. And I always looked at the children in the business as that I wasn't raising children, I was raising future adults. Mm-hmm. And I was raising, um, you know, children that I wanted to serve the Lord. Um, and so when you look at it that way, it's a lot easier to put everything in perspective. Um, you know, I see so many you know parents who their, their kids will throw a fit and they just, you know, stick an ice cream in their mouth, <laughs> you know, just to, to <laughs> you know, to stop them from, from misbehaving. I'm guessing um, that's not how you do things, PJ. No, <laughs> no. My kids would be shocked if I did something like that. Um, you know, everything has a consequence um, and it's tiring as a parent, you know, it's tiring to enforce that. But if you if you do that and if you set things up the right way where you don't let your children get away with things, you don't let your employees get away with things, um, it gets easier down the line. You know, I people are just like, how do you do everything? I'm like, I don't. I've trained at this point, I've trained the children to do just about everything. I mean, if I don't have to go up to the soap room or the, the candy kitchen or the cheese kitchen, I don't go up there for the day and they've got it. They can handle it. Um, but that took a lot of work and effort at the beginning. You know, that didn't just magically happen. Well, how can people get in touch with you, learn more about goat milk stuff, what's going on? Because the, the company you've put together and what you're doing is just phenomenal. Thank you. Um, the easiest way is to just go to our website, which is www.goatmilkstuff.com. Um, we've got everything there. You know, we're all over social media on Facebook at Goat Milk Stuff and Twitter at Goat Milk Stuff. Um, you know, all of, all of those Instagram and Pinterest and, you know, we don't, we don't do any of them super, super well, but we do all of them and we have fun with that. My, uh, my 10 year old daughter is the one who's now posting, um, to Facebook and Instagram and, How and cool. stuff. So, yeah, she's having a lot of fun with that. And, you know, people always ask when we have time for their, their schoolwork and I say, well, they, they learn a lot, you know, doing that. Cause she, she just, um, put a post up today about hay bales and spelled, 
um, Bail, B-A-I-L. So we had a nice little talk about homonyms and you know, what, <laughs> what B-A-I-L meant versus B-A-L-E. And um, so we, we get to cover a lot of stuff like that. But yeah, our, you know, if you come onto the website, all the information is there. Our phone number, you can get us there if you need to call us and ask any questions. It's, it's all pretty much at that spot. And is there, is there, now you talked about earlier, is there a way for everybody who's listening, our audience, to um, uh, try your soap or, or just, you know, get involved in what you're doing? Yeah, we do. I have a free bar of soap for your listeners. Um, all they need to do is go to goatmilkstuff.com slash eternal leadership soap. And eternal leadership soap is all one word. So it's just all together. And you can get the information on how to get the free bar of soap right there. And if everybody's listening to this in your car or working out, just go to our website and we'll have a, a post for this entire episode and all the links to what PJ's doing and, and to goat milk stuff and how to get a sample of that soap. And, you know, when you talked about, you know, fingers and feet, the skin cracking, it's so dry here in Denver. I struggle with that all the time. So I can't wait to order some of the soap and, and put it into all of our showers and start there and then and then just become a regular customer so i'm really i'm excited just for that that you know that we had this interview today yeah i mean it really is amazing before i made it i really didn't realize the difference that a healthy bar of soap made and you know so i hear probably one of the most common things i'd like i didn't realize goat milk soap would make such a difference i'm like yeah it really does (laughs) so i hope you guys love it well that's awesome and any just final thoughts to wrap up with pj you know I think that we're living in a time where, where there's a lot of fear. You know, there's a lot of fear about the economy. There's a lot of fear about the upcoming election. Um, and I think that people can still start something that God can bless. You know, people, when I tell people that we started Goat Milk Stuff in 2008, right at the, you know, the peak of the financial crisis, they're like, what? You did what? And I was like, well, yeah, because that was, you know, God's timing. And that was when we were supposed to do it. And it was, it worked out really well. And, you know, you have to be smart. I'm not saying you go out and do, do foolish things, but God can bless it no matter what's going on in the, in the economy and what the news is telling you. Well, I think that is so powerful, right? I think when you are walking in God's timing, every you know the, that time to start, that time to just take that next small step forward, it's perfect timing because it's His timing. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, PJ. It, it has been great to get to know you a little bit, and I really look forward to just talking with you in the future and following your success and serving you forward any way that we can. Thanks so much, John. This has been wonderful. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. By the way, if you're a regular listener to Eternal Leadership, could you give John and I a hand? Could you give us a rating and review on iTunes? It's how most people listen to podcasts and ratings and reviews help bump us up those charts. The higher we are, the more people that will stumble onto us. If you don't listen through iTunes, rate and review us on whatever platform you listen, or just share it with someone that you think could really benefit from our topics and guests. Thanks. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.